Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Trying to do this in-person one again. Um, I have a feeling we're a little bit drunk, less drunk this time, so this one's going to be a little bit more postable. A little more straightforward, yeah, and yeah, and a little bit more direct. Um, this is the second week after Bitcoin Miami? No, first week, first week, yeah. So, reflections, Christian, uh, how, how did it go? I think it went really well, man. Uh, a lot of coverage. It was very impactful. Obviously, mm-hmm. the El Salvador news is world news. Uh, Trump kind of responding to it. We talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like Bitcoin's game theory is coming into play. I think people, you know, people inside of Bitcoin and people outside of Bitcoin are kind of kind of, are kind of coming to grips with that. Uh, and, you know, there's definitely cope, but um, we'll see. Um, we'll see. You know, I think this is huge news. I think that this has... Uh, macroeconomic effects across the board. So uh, Nick Carter was talking about how this uh, Bitcoin being legal tender in El Salvador is using Bitcoin for its intended purpose. And when he said that, that gave me pause because who's to say what the intended purpose is, right? Um, so do you agree that the El Salvador using Bitcoin as its, as legal tender is Bitcoin being used for its intended purpose? And also what is Bitcoin's intended purpose? Well, it's tough to say, like, what is Bitcoin's intended purpose? Right. But what I would say is that when Bitcoin was created, that uh, specific game theory kind of came into play, especially when Bitcoin didn't die after a few years and Satoshi was no longer a part of the project. Um, like this game theory, it was kind of instrumentalized. And Bitcoiners talk about this game theory a lot. And we ultimately think it turns into Bitcoin as a black hole sucking up all value. And, you know, large actors are forced to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when Nick is saying it's intended purpose, he's kind of talking about this game theory that Bitcoiners have been talking about and predicting for a long time. Interesting. Yeah. So the, if, the I think when you uh, talked about how there's like cope coming from non-Bitcoiners about uh, El Salvador, one of those things might be uh, a bunch of the Ethereum people talking about how like businesses in El Salvador are forced to use uh, this currency, which is like, you know, very much in line with, with typical legal tender laws but also very much not in line with what I thought the ethos of crypto crypto would be, which is, you know, the freedom to choose, right? The freedom, the freedom to choose your own currency. Um, uh, how uh, reflect, we talked about this on the last POV crypto podcast, but do you have any uh, reflections on that? I mean, the nation states are nation states and they do nation state stuff. So mm-hmm. when a nation state says Bitcoins are a currency, you know, we're making everyone use it. Like, mm-hmm. That's just it. But nation states can voluntarily choose. And the El Salvadorian people have already voluntarily been using Bitcoin for a long time. Uh, One of the reasons is uh, Bitcoin beaches has been an experiment that's been happening on uh, a beach called, I think it's, gosh, I'm totally blanking out on uh, El Zante. Mm -hmm. It's a city and town, a beachside town in, uh, in, uh, in uh in el salvador and it's been a hundred percent circular economy bitcoin town for a long time so it's kind of been this like micro experiment news in in prosperity uh, around that area has kind of been increasing and uh bitcoin's been propagating and that's kind of how uh the president uh, eventually got involved obviously el salvador is a very small country which is like some of the critics have been saying like oh it's a small country it's meaningless but Mm -hmm. still like it's a country uh, and bitcoin has entered into that realm now 
I think why like the there's there's definitely been this is one of the biggest like acid tests, I think, of the same acid test that we've seen with Bitcoin and Ethereum, where like, you know, Bitcoin gets adopted as legal tender for a physical nation state. And then all the Bitcoiners are super happy about it. It's like positive news left and right. And the Ethereum community is just like overall confused as to like why this is what it is. Um, but I, I think when we put it through the framing of like and, and let me know if you agree with this framing, but like. Bitcoin is trying to just keep the old financial system, keep the old laws, keep the old like universe, but just put inject Bitcoin into it. Where Ethereum is trying to be like, well, let's just create new a new land, new virtual territory, new virtual, you know, financial system. And you can opt into that. And not only and, and that's like where that kind of non-coercion comes in from is like Ethereum's app layer is, you know, you can choose any token you want to use on Ethereum's app layer. It's not you're not compelled to use it. Um, the, the bare minimum thing you're compelled to use is to pay ether for gas, but it's, it's very much like not in the interest of Ethereum to just re be a part of the existing financial system. But Bitcoin is very much like, let's have all the same stuff, but now we use Bitcoin. How do you, how do you feel with that take? I mean, it's just funny how both communities think the other one's skeuomorphic, right? <laughs> um, uh, exactly right. <laughs> so I would say that Bitcoin opens up a completely new financial paradigm. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a game theory with how it's being adopted across the globe. And to some people that looks like, oh, we're just plugging Bitcoin in to uh, the old system. But ultimately, like plugging Bitcoin into the old system is completely changing the old system. Um, on top of that, there's just Bitcoin native things that are just not possible mm -hmm. with the old system. Uh, and I think that those things are going to continue to like, you know, show themselves and get utilized. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those things is storing and holding your own keys. Right. So there's the old way, which is self custody in a bank. Uh, and but Bitcoin obviously enables th this new way. And those, you know, those ways to use Bitcoin are are revealing themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, I think that that is, uh, you know, we got to be patient, second, third order effects thinking. Uh, and, you know, it's really easy to say like, oh, you know, uh, El Salvador is forcing their people to use Bitcoin. Therefore, Bitcoin's not permissionless or voluntary. Right. Like Bitcoin's been permissionless and voluntary up until this point. Mm -hmm. And just because El Salvador is doing a country thing with Bitcoin right. doesn't necessarily like put Bitcoin into a box right. per se. Yeah, I, I think the comment is more along the lines of just like, it's just against the ethos, right? Like Bitcoin, even though it's not against the ethos of a nation state to com to coerce people to use legal tenders, but it is against the ethos of Bitcoin to like force things upon people because Bitcoin is all about the freedom to choose. But like, it's just a, it's just a friction that like, it's a, it's a friction. Like, I don't really think it's like meaningful in the long so run. So can I jump in? I would sure. say... To the dismay of many Bitcoiners, Bitcoin is permissionless. And <laughs> and and guess what? There are Bitcoin best practices and mm -hmm. things that align with the Bitcoin ethos. And there's things that don't. But right. you can't stop anyone from mm -hmm. doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. A perfect example of that is blockchain.com. Uh, I would say if you ask any Bitcoiner, they would not recommend blockchain.com's wallet at all. They would say it sucks, that out of date, mm -hmm. all this kind of bad stuff about it. If you look at the actual usage, it's like 40% of Bitcoin usage is blockchain.com. <laughs> so as much as Bitcoiners hate blockchain.com, they can't stop blockchain.com from servicing and using the Bitcoin network. Mm -hmm. And as much as you don't think that El Salvador being a country using Bitcoin doesn't fit in the Bitcoin ethos, you can't stop right. them from right. using it. It's still permissionless mm -hmm. technology. Yeah, I guess any use of Bitcoin in the Bitcoin ethos is in the use of it. 
any use of Bitcoin is automatically inside of the Bitcoin ethos because if it's permissionless, anyone can kind of say what the, the Bitcoin ethos is. Like, oh, inside of El Salvador, this is what we do. Um, what was I going to say next? Um, I was going to say something, but the other thing I was going to talk about is uh, that one of the other discrepancies I've seen out of the Bitcoin Miami uh, conference is that Bitcoiners are really into the Lightning Network all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden, the Lightning Network is like back into the forefront. The Lightning Network, Lightning Network, Lightning Network. The people I trust are super bullish on the Lightning Network. People like Nick Carter. Um, he had the he had this tweet where he was going through a list of takeaways out of the Bitcoin 2021 conference, and one of those take takeaways was like the maturity and adoption level of the Lightning Network, and that was confusing to me because why is that a takeaway from a conference rather than? something that you experienced or, or felt. And so one of the, again, one of the, the two realities, um, quick side quest, uh, the guy that made the Dilbert comment, Scott Adams, he talks about how there's like with the, the Republicans and the liberals, two people are watching the same movie and they're coming out with two different interpretations. And that's very much what I'm seeing going on largely with Bitcoin Miami and overall what's going on in, in the crypto spheres like Bitcoiners and Ethereans were watching the same movie, but we come out with completely different interpretations like Bitcoin Bitcoiners going to Bitcoin 2021. They're like, dude, lightning networks here, man. Lightning networks fucking bullish. Like it's ready to go. It's mainstream. Uh, and Ethereans are like, you guys are still talking about the lightning network. Like what's up? Like when I'm, I had a guy who was trying to go onto Jack Mahler's website and try and like sync up a, a lightning network node and it wasn't working. And so all the Ethereum people are like, you guys are just scamming people with this fake, like lightning, lightning network uh, narrative. Like where the hell is it? It's not here yet. Uh, so what's your, what's your take? Like what's the lightning network up to these days? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not a Lightning Network expert, and I would say that like Lightning Network is kind of like the if you want to be uh, a PayPal or if you want to be mm -hmm. a Venmo, like that's where Lightning Network is kind of in the layer. So I think like Ethereans, like they just think of this world of like everyone has a wallet, everyone has an address, everything mm -hmm. is flat on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Bitcoiners would say no, it's a layered system, and the thing is like the lightning network presents an opportunity for a square of Venmo right. to get onto an open source permissionless payment network. Anyone can get onto it. Right. Um, but on the flip side, uh, you know, a mom and pop who happens to be a whale can also be a liquidity provider. Mm -hmm. They can also uh, compete on that level if they really wanted to put in the work of building out that kind of a business. So uh, there's like kind of this like wide variety of different types of people who can use lightning and in what ways. Mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, that nuance is really lost upon Ethereans who just don't care about it. And just like the similar to like, you know, if you talk about all the amazing things that are happening with rollups and DeFi, Bitcoin is like, I don't give a shit. Right. Like there's a token on it, it's a scam. <laughs> you know, like, so like, I, I feel like it, these things go mm -hmm. both ways and it's mm -hmm. good to know your, your, uh, sphere of competency. And it's also good to like, uh, trust smart people who care about that stuff right. and who are spending time there because and know where you are not spending time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like personally, I'm not a lightning guru. I'm not like on top of it, but I do know that there are several companies and several wallets that are providing lightning infrastructure that people were using to do payments across the conference um, and I think like between like the gaming area and different stores around the space or around the, the conference, like you could start seeing the circular economy and how smooth the UX was on an open source network. So, uh, maybe that's what was making people really bullish. Um, I was at the store, so I definitely saw like, let's call it 30% Bitcoin payments. 
uh, 30% cash payments and then 40% uh, credit card payments. So, um, you know, of the Bitcoin payments, mostly lightning, and it was always more convenient to be on lightning. They pay. Okay, cool. Confirmed. Here's your stuff versus, uh, I have to like wait for a confirmation or at least wait for it to hit the mempool with, with an on-chain transaction. So it feels better. Like Mm -hmm. the UX is better. Um, and I, I've yet to see like something that depends on a blockchain that feels like lightning. Right. Uh, so I have to say that. Right. So, so the, so the Ethereans who are saying that like uh, the lightning network is a meme, it's a myth are just straight up uninformed. Uninformed, but also they're maybe they just have wrong expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I think everyone mm-hmm. in Ethereum thinks like, it should just be my phone or my my right. ledger, and that's all it takes. Right. Which is funny because that's, it takes a lot more to actually run an Ethereum node than that. <laughs> but in terms of like, <laughs> let's just call it access the full stack of services. Right. So with Lightning, that's not necessarily the case. There's trade-offs per se, and maybe they just don't like that. Um, but Lightning as a network, it works. It's there. Uh, and I think maybe it's for bigger users mm-hmm. um, in general. But again, it's permissionless and like again we have this little box right here that thing can be a full like business grade lightning node mm-hmm. so it doesn't take that much hardware but it does take a little bit more hand holding uh, right. and that kind of stuff yeah um you you showed me earlier today the uh, zap wallet zap wallet so strike, strike yeah strike by by zap the company is that how it works so let's just call it Jack Mallers. Uh-huh. Zap is his open source wallet. And uh-huh. then he created a real business, which is Strike. Strike. Okay. And then, yeah. okay. So Strike is this lightning network enabled Bitcoin wallet uh, that the, the metaphor you gave me was this like cash app, except for Bitcoin. And that's actually what it looks like. It actually looks like that. Uh, and so when I was, when I saw like the, how um, El Salvador is going to onboard all these people onto Bitcoin, it's going to be used a lightning network. And I'm like, is El Salvador ready to do all this complex lightning network stuff? But then the whole cash app metaphor makes it makes it land really, really well. It's like, no, they just have to download an app and it's the cash app version for, for the lightning network. And all of a sudden, all of these like UX UI issues and like personal running a node issues, all of a sudden that makes, oh yeah, no, that's irrelevant. You just make it custodial, which again, goes back to the whole thing. It's like, oh yeah, we have the same financial system and now we're copying it, but now we just use Bitcoin, right? Like the, the custodial nature, uh, Jack Mallers calls it a neo bank. It's very much inside of like the rest of like what mine and Ryan's criticism uh, criticisms of Bitcoin is like the way that it scales is it just uses custodial custodiality. I don't even know if that's a word. But also at the same time, there's also the broader question is like, do does most of the world care about decentralization? And for as far as like an El Salvadorian population who just wants to use Bitcoin, like I'm sure they're not going to give a fuck. I'm sure they're just going to download the app and start using it. Well, I mean, so this is why it's like a layers thing, right? Mm-hmm. So again, Bitcoin gives El Salvadorian El Salvadorians access to the unit, right? Mm-hmm. So the blockchain that is decentralized that does have all these easy to run nodes. Um, it ensures 21 million and the validity of only valid transactions actually happening. Mm -hmm. These El Salvadorians are several layers removed from that. So maybe Mm -hmm. they do care about Mm non-custodial. They can, they have every ability to take advantage of the option, but if they don't Mm -hmm. like they can still access the best money in the world in a way that they're comfortable with. So I think that like, that is kind of what's happening and we're still early in the game, right? Right. So, I mean, again, I, I think as long as we're open about the trade-offs uh, and a lot, again, something like Strike, you can actually withdraw your Bitcoin mm-hmm. easily, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think Bitcoiners are the loudest about 
custodial options that don't let you withdraw at the minimum and about withdrawing and holding your own keys and actually validating your own transactions without, I, I think I did that, <laughs> without trusting someone else. Um, so I, I would say that like, uh, I don't see any reason to say that like the Bitcoin blockchain is compromised in any way. Right. Maybe not every single user is perfectly like decentralized mm-hmm. and holding their own keys, but again, like perfect can't be the enemy of, of progress. Right. You know, we, we need to accept good enough. And I, I feel like, again, like if you just look at it in the layered approach, that's how Bitcoiners are looking at it. And that's the only way that Bitcoin can, could do it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't even know if, like, I think, right. I think that's Ethereum's would agree to some degree. Maybe the trade-offs are different. Maybe the approaches are different. You know, these things are competing in the open market. Let's see which strategy works better. I think the legacy of this like El Salvadorian news is going to be just like Bitcoin's massive acid test that it's been asking for since its genesis, right? Like is legal tender in a currency? Is a legal tender in a nation state? Um, uh, does the population of that nation state actually want to use Bitcoin? We're about to find out. Will the Lightning Network actually work for fast, instant microtransactions? We're about to find out. Uh, and so I think this is kind of the pivotal pivotal moment in Bitcoin's history. It's like, okay, it got to where it wanted to be to finally find out if it is the thing that it is. And I think we're all about to find that out, find that out in the next like 12 to 24 months. Yeah, no, totally. And mm-hmm. thank God it's a tiny country, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, thank God for that. And I also thank God the president is a goddamn Bitcoiner because if the president wasn't a Bitcoiner and this was somebody else, like it's, if it was like, you know, I don't know what the organization of the nation state of El Salvador is, but like, say it was just like a congressman who proposed a bill and then the they bill have a Congress, but yeah. the president controls right. the Congress. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, like the, the other conversation, which I don't really care to get into is like the character of this individual of the president is like suspects, like, you know, some, some shady past, but also Bitcoin doesn't give a fuck. Like Bitcoin just wants to get adopted. Like shady pass or not, like apparently he held Congress, he held Congress up with the military to get a, a bill passed. Not the, perhaps the greatest guy, but also Bitcoin doesn't give a fuck, right? Bitcoin got adopted in the country. Um, uh, but yeah, also thank God that the person leading this charge was the actual president, right? Uh, for better or for worse, uh, because that's going to give Bitcoin the, the greatest chance of success in that country. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's going to be desperate countries. It's going to be countries with nothing to lose, with uh, nothing to gain in the existing system. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're going to opt out. Right. So El Salvador is one of those. You know, they're at their depth. The dollar's failing them. Mm-hmm. So what better chance did they have? Um, and like, again, I, I just think the floodgates are opening, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Companies, countries, Every like legitimacy is compounding. And like, if you put this in the idea of like, okay, basketball player or an athlete, and then Bitcoin is 12, you know, let's say Ethereum is what, eight now, something Mm -hmm. like that. Like six, I feel like it's been perpetually six, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Born in 2015, it's 2021. Okay. Okay. Boom. So you know better than me. So yeah. (laughs) So whatever, here, here we go. Like, let's see what happens when these networks hit adulthood, Mm -hmm. right. You know, 18, Mm -hmm. uh, 21, um, like I, I think that people are thinking very, I keep touching this. People are thinking very small. Right. Um, and I think Bitcoiners need to think bigger, but a lot, I, I really do think Bitcoiners need to think bigger. Yeah, totally. Um, and hodl and hodl and hodl. What shit what I was about to say? Uh, I can't remember. Anyways, let's turn to something slightly different, which is my mental model for like where the line is between Bitcoin and Ethereum. 
And I'm, I've been calling Bitcoin as this very, very physical crypto network and Ethereum as this very, very digital crypto network, right? Where, you know, Bitcoiners are celebrating Bitcoin getting adopted as a nation state legal tender. Uh, they love Bitcoin mining. They love being hooked into the energy grid. Um, Bitcoiner values are very physical values. They want to be a part of the physical meat space world. And that's something that very much separates Bitcoiners from Ethereans, where Ethereans, it, it it would just wouldn't make sense to have ether as like the native currency of a country. That's like not what it's for. Like Nick Carter called Bitcoin is now being used as its intended purpose as a nation state legal tender as whatever the intended purpose of ether is. It's not that right. Uh, and also we want proof of stake. We want to be removed from the physical world. We want to be as digital as possible. And so like my mental model for this is that like Bitcoin is playing risk with nation states right? Like claiming territory, like Bitcoin just claimed the territory of El Salvador. It's got a, it's got a big army. Uh, now it's going to try and like, like Cold War domino effect. It's going to go to Costa Rica, Panama, like all the other dollarized countries. And it's going to claim physical nation state as, after physical nation state, if it, if it can, right? Um, but Ethereum is in the clouds. It's like in the heavens. It's in the virtual world. And there's no real estate to claim there. There's only real estate to create there. And I think maybe that's where a lot of the um, the comparisons between that that people will make about how Bitcoin is like zero sum, Bitcoin's competitive, Bitcoin is um, trying to supplant the old system with a new system, but not create a new system, just keep the old system just with Bitcoin. Um, but Ethereum is like let's grow the pie, let's let's make new virtual real estate, and with, and no one can compete with Ethereum in creating new real estate because you can just create it, like it's just brand new. Um, and that's kind of how I'm seeing like these communities diverge. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is very physical focused and Ethereum is very virtual focused. How's that land with you? What I just heard is Ethereans are up in the clouds and Bitcoiners are actually getting shit done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, at the same time, uh, there was a, a guy, an entrepreneur I was talking to who back in 20, he said, he said back in 1994, 1995, he was an entrepreneur, uh, and, he saw the potential of the internet and he saw like, well, there's this very, very physical world and this digital world is very, very small. The discrepancy is like, everyone's going to start flowing into the digital world. Like the digital world only has more to grow. Right. And I'll, and I'll kind of say that with Ethereum too, like the physical world has already kind of hit its limits to growth. Like there's a, there's a human in every single corner of the population, every single corner of the globe. Right. Like, you know, a traditional, real world finance is kind of at its maturity. There's not much more development and innovation going on there. The real, the uncharted territory, the frontier of the world is in the, is in the, is in the uh, digital world, the, the virtual world, like the metaverse. Bitcoin cannot create a metaverse. Only Ethereum can create a metaverse or some sort of smart contract proof of stake platform. Uh, and so, you know, while, while you, it's nice to have this very grounded, you know, very concrete, here's our plan, you know, here's, here's Goldman Sachs, here's central banks, here's nation states, here's all that same stuff. Let's hot swap the dollar for Bitcoin. Like very concrete, very easy. And Ethereum is very much like, we don't know what, what's out there. Let's go find out. In the same way, we didn't know what the internet was going to turn into. No one knew what the internet was in 1994. No one knows what Ethereum is going to be in 2025 or 2030. But like, it's really big is the plan. And so like, yeah, we're head in the clouds. We're very idealistic. We don't know what happens next. We just are placing our bets as we think it's going to be uh, orders of magnitude larger as the internet was like orders of magnitude larger than, than whatever came before it. Mail. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Bitcoin's the internet. So um, the internet of value. Um, I feel like you and we kind of bickered about this on the last pod that was un, uh, unreleased, unposted. <laughs> but probably um, for the better. <laughs> like, there's nothing that Ethereum can do to take away the fact that it is a computer network run on physical servers. Right. So there is a physical network mm-hmm. that is part of Ethereum, period. Mm-hmm. So you better fucking ex- just accept that reality. And then that's something you can optimize for. Right. So that's what proof of work does. That's what, I mean, keeping the Bitcoin base layer as downloadable as possible mm-hmm. optimizes for. Um, I think that the metaverse is... Uh, the self-hosting revolution. Mm-hmm. So Ethereum is doing less than Bitcoin, maybe not nothing, but less than Bitcoin to stimulate and enable the self-hosting revolution. Um, so I, I just think that it's going to come in waves and layers and uh, we'll get there. We'll get to your vision. Mm-hmm. Just uh, it's going to take some more time and uh, it doesn't have to be on this continuous blockchain. Um, so we'll see, we'll mm-hmm. see like Bitcoin is the sound money app. I think of the future, uh, it's the, how the internet of value is going to be built on servers. Uh, those servers need to be distributed to make them as robust as possible. And, uh, hopefully we can have a self-hosted, uh, global web based mesh based type of, uh, internet infrastructure to tap into that will, you know, reach all the goals that you mm-hmm. envision. Uh, I just that's I think that that's how Bitcoin gets to it. You know, you you've envisioned a world where Ethereum is a substrate that you just build everything on top of, right. which I don't think it can scale to that in the first place. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's also necessary to get to this new world. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Bitcoin fights on loading onto the Internet. It definitely is not a fighting force on that. It is part of the force to upload onto the Internet. Mm-hmm. I think it actually brings energy and the energy grid online for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like the energy grid has been only physical and Bitcoin actually helps it become digital. And that's a huge, pl- that's a huge pro. So on that like physical network topic, let, let's suss that out, right? Because you say like, oh, B- Bitcoin mining is very, very physically instantiated, right? Like if you are mining, you can't pick up um, and uproot yourself and move very easily. That's, a, that's an intensive process. Um, with Ethereum, like, yeah, so I have, a, I have a computer, got a node, I have ETH staking to it, but the ETH isn't physically located. N- neither are Bitcoins, but Bitcoin miners are. And like Ether, when proof of stake form, is just a virtual ASIC, right? And so maybe like I have my computer, it's running a node, I'm staking on it, and the FBI comes knocking and says, hey, like, turn that node off. Well, the Ether can just move to a different node. And so the, with proof of stake, what infrastructure or what you know chips and hardware and internet bandwidth, what is part of the Ethereum network and what's not part of the Ethereum network can turn on and off at a moment's notice. Just like it's like routing around, right? Like this computer was a second ago part of the Ethereum network. Now it's not. And then all of a sudden I'm it's staking. It's transient. On, it's transient, right? And it, it, it's, it'll just route around the problem. Uh, and so while we can talk about how there is a physical network that's instantiated somewhere, it's also super fluid and it can just move wherever it needs to move and instantiate itself somewhere at a moment's notice. And, and if, if that needs to move again, it'll move again. Uh, and so while there is a physical network, it, there's also not a physical network at the same time. So long as there's enough like decentralization and nodes and there's self-replicatability. I mean, yeah. And then we'll see if that network is works well, Mm -hmm. propagates well, is efficient and uh, can stand the test of time. But I'm just saying that there is a physical network like Mm -hmm. this 
where only digital thing is like, guess what? Everything digital is, has a physical computer Mm -hmm. enabling it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those servers take up energy. They take up space. They are real things. Right. You know, but it's more about like being minimally viable, instantiated. In well, I mean, you're saying the consensus is fully digital. I get it. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Like Bitcoin's consensus is a physical thing. Like mm-hmm. a miner is a physical future on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what it is. And those are different things and they're different trade-offs. But I'm just saying that there is a physical network. Mm-hmm. That physical network should be optimized, can't be away- moved away from and that Bitcoin is is building a physical network that is going to be as decentralized as possible. And like, I just think your characterizations of like Bitcoin and then the existing system is just wrong. That's just also saying like Bitcoin is only digital gold. It's like, mm-hmm. no, like big, digital gold is just like the step one. Mm-hmm. Like Bitcoin is the end of monetary uncertainty as we know it. In my, like, what does that mean? How do we build society on like known monetary units? Mm-hmm. Um, and if that is possible, what does that mean for the world? Right? Like that's what Bitcoiners are there for. Totally. Totally. I now consider this topic sussed out. <laughs> shall, we, shall we move on? Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been ripping for, for uh, a minute here. So, there we um, have no, half what a minute. Yeah. Okay. You, we can keep going. What do you want? Prices or. Okay. Let's talk about price. Cause prices? like, you know, people love to price talk. Um, price talk. 30, I mean, you can see the little ticker up here yeah. looking at $35,000 Bitcoin, pretty much $36,000 Bitcoin and uh, $2,400 Ether. Yeah, um, we got Ether got down to 2200 something yesterday, uh, which is like pushing on its floor and Bitcoin is also kind of pushing on its floor. If uh, I'm waited to say that it's actually the floor, like this El Salvadorian news was like the news that Bitcoin needed to like repair its super fucking broken chart and also to prevent Ether from having a chart that breaks, right? Ether's chart is okay right now, but like it can't go down anymore. Like it needs to stay above 2000. Um, and so like, I, I think this El Salvador news could be the, the news that stops a quote unquote bear market from happening and just makes us like range for the rest of the year. That's my take. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not the best at price predictions. Uh, with MicroStrategy, mm-hmm. it took about six weeks for there really to be any price action mm-hmm. um, after you know it became public knowledge that MicroStrategy bought Bitcoin and a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So um, we're about a week out. Of Dude, and he bought another $500 million worth of Bitcoin. He's almost up to 100,000 Bitcoin. He's, I think he's 8,000 Bitcoin away from 100,000. I mean, that's, that's chump change for him. So, what, what the remaining eight thousand bitcoins? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's probably already got it by now, and we just haven't heard the announcement yet. Yeah. So, I mean, and he's doing these these uh, equity offerings like crazy. Um, yeah. He. I mean, Michael Saylor is just doing this thing. So, and and honestly, I feel like he's he's calling out other corporates. He's saying, "Oh, okay, you're not going to play. I'll just keep <laughs> buying. I'll just have all the bitcoins then." <laughs> yeah. So. Um, to some degree, like at some point in time, how much debt can you issue? Except the problem is he offered 400 million. He got 1.6 billion in interested orders. And so he raised it to 500 million. Like apparently there's an insatiable amount for debt or, or whatever, or whatever that order is, which is absolutely insane. Clown world and Bitcoin game theory. Like yeah. what else can you say? Yeah, no, I mean, 
people are giving him free money basically so i guess it's smart to take it um at some point in time though we do have to ask ourselves at what point is this irresponsible like he has a company like that, that could, like what happens when bitcoin if bitcoin i'll give this a five percent chance that bitcoin breaks down below twenty five thousand dollars but like his average price right now is twenty five thousand dollars and like imagine if microstrategy starts to get in the red right and like especially when people get really fearful about bitcoin bitcoin price again i really don't think it's going to happen so maybe it's not even worth talking about but at some point in line at some point there's a line that's like the irresponsible line and i don't know where michael saylor is but like wherever he is he can see the line at the very least yeah i don't know Uh, i think that uh bitcoin is the most conservative thing in the world today um Obviously, my base case is that Bitcoin is sound and the fundamentals are sound and that uh, 21 million will continue to be enforced and the hash rate will continue to come online. So not everyone has that base case. Mm -hmm. Um, So if your base case is different, then you're like, wow, Michael Saylor is really taking on some risks here. Michael Saylor would say that him holding a cash balance has no benefit. Him investing. He doesn't have any cash. Now he only has debt. Yeah, him. Him. Owning equities is not a benefit, and then that Bitcoin is conservative. So, mm-hmm. if you know that Bitcoin is conservative, and that you can effectively, and anyone who has held Bitcoin for four years time frame, right. any four year time frame is in the green. But that has to stop at some point in time. Sure, but I mean, maybe, maybe there's only maybe. three sets of, of four like, years. I, I would say that like we are in clown world. Mm-hmm. We have the first digitally scarce asset ever mm-hmm. that is hyper monetizing. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, the only thing that is keeping the world afloat is lower rates and uh, more Cantillon effect. The one thing here's a, here's a, it's not a black swan, but here's a black swan that I'm, I'm actually truly worried about. Woke culture, cancel culture coming for Bitcoin. It's such an easy target. We already saw that happening with all these reporters trying to like cancel Bitcoin and Bitcoin 2021 for having an event where people weren't required to be vaccinated and they weren't checking. Like we already saw reporters. Bitcoin's an easy target. Like everyone that didn't get any Bitcoin at all, anyone who has zero amounts of Bitcoin has to deal with their cognitive dissonance of having zero amount of Bitcoin. And reporters can cash in on that because they don't have any Bitcoin and they know that a lot of their readers don't have any Bitcoin. And so it's really easy to write a story about like Bitcoin energy FUD. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren says that one Bitcoin transaction consumes as much energy as a household does in 54 days. Like what happens if, you know, Joe Biden just like bends over backwards to, to enable woke culture and doesn't have a spine against woke culture. What happens if woke culture takes over America, the far left, Right. What happens if that happens in a, in, a, in a world where woke culture and the far left lead America? I'm actually really bearish on Bitcoin because it's such an easy target. Yeah, uh, I would say that that needs to happen for the plebs to fully denounce all respect for any woke culture leader mm-hmm. um, that these people need to be exposed. And uh, pain is the best way to expose people to them. And uh, if America fully goes anti-Bitcoin, which I don't think it's it will, mm-hmm. I really don't think it will, despite any woke cultureness, um, then America can have fun staying poor. So Bitcoin doesn't need America. Bitcoin's right. bigger than America, in my opinion. 
I mean, it isn't right now in terms of market cap, but in my opinion, uh, it will be. And uh, like, you know, America's not there for El Salvador. Right. Bitcoin's there for El Salvador. Right. So, yeah. I mean, really, like, I really don't think that America needs, I mean, that Bitcoin needs America and it would be bad for America if it, if it did that. And right. I think a lot of politicians already know that. Well, the, the reason why I bring this up is because Elizabeth Warren went on that rant that was just like a very much a, uh, virtue signaling I'm anti-Bitcoin rant, which a lot of people are speculating is like, oh, she's just pro central bank digital currency. Um, maybe maybe woke culture isn't the right uh, identifier. It's not the wrong identifier, but it's also like the MMT status crowd, right? Um, that, that They want you to be poor. <laughs> uh, do you true. think the MMTers are going to make you prosperous, David? No, no. They're, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, how long is it going to take people right. like... On the other on the other side of things, like one of the I, I put out this tweet the other day about uh, the nature. Like, so when countries denounce the dollar, like the U.S. historically invades that country, like shortly thereafter. Um, and but but what's different about El Salvador, which is to some degree denouncing the dollar, the dollar is still legal currency because people still want it. But you know, providing them an option that's Bitcoin is in some ways denouncing the dollar. What's different about like why the U.S. will never invade El Salvador? Is because, and again, apples to oranges comparisons, but if they did in the, in the way that we've seen them invade other Latin American countries and in the Middle East, the difference is, is there's a fuck ton of Bitcoins, Bitcoiners in America, right? Who there's a Bitcoin, Bitcoin political party cohort inside of America, who's like going to tell American leadership to fuck off and stop invading El Salvador because of their bags, right? Because of Bitcoin incentives. Um, and so that's what gets me a little bit optimistic about how like America kind of just can't do anything about it. It's like, it's in the calls coming from inside the house. Like the incentives are inside the Congress. Yeah. I mean, I think you pointed at the correct things that are happening, mm-hmm. which is that people on the inside are buying Bitcoin. They're also buying other cryptocurrencies and that's mm-hmm. going to make these things unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin, I'm sorry if you disagree. I mean, and this is my opinion and I think that this opinion is correct. Like Bitcoin is the most secure, the most legitimate, most decentralized of these assets. So therefore it's going to like, I think it's going to continue being the shelling point. Again, you might disagree with me. You might have different characterizations for those words, um, but that's my opinion. And again, like, I, I just think the entire space is going to continue to disrupt the existing control sphere. Mm-hmm. Like I think personal freedoms and personal property rights are being redefined by open source networks. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think that any of these politicians or any of these organizations are competent enough to out organize yeah. these crypto networks, totally. Bitcoin and like they can't even take down ripple that's all like they can't like that if that if that is the acid test for the government's competency in taking down these things Mm -hmm. like they're they've already lost yeah that's a really good point that's a really good point yeah no man i'm i'm bullish bitcoin i'm bullish bitcoin i still don't own any but i'm bullish on it well, I think uh, like a year ago, you're like, if, the, if you want to get as much Bitcoin as possible, you should do what I'm doing. I feel like that worked out. Time, time that worked out. says that that was a correct uh, <laughs> estimate. But the thing is, like, how many people doing what you're doing right. are going to eventually buy Bitcoin? I don't sure. know. I feel like that. Sure. If, if Bitcoin is a thing to be bullish on, you eventually want to have some stake. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is true. 
Should we sign off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, CK underscore Snarks and at Bitcoin Magazine. If you uh, don't like what we're doing, uh, you can keep tagging me. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but we're not going to stop, uh, you know, being the propaganda marketing arm of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not official. We don't represent Bitcoin, but we're just going to keep showing it. So uh, proud of that. And uh, keep your eye out for uh, more conferences, more newsletters, uh, and uh, more articles from Bitcoin Magazine. Yeah, no, Bitcoin 2021 uh, moved the needle a big deal. It went from one side of to the other side of the gauge. Uh, and so that, that's going to be a pretty big event in, in the history of definitely in crypto and also the world. So congrats and props. You can follow me, Trustless State, on Twitter and on Bankless. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Will you deceive?